obviously the beginning of my college career wasn't exactly what I wanted it to look like. And at times I did have doubts and wasn't sure how I was going to play out, but my family um, really kept me motivated. And I also have a really strong faith. And I think that helped me as well, just to know that it's all going to work out in the end. I didn't know what exactly it was going to look like, but I knew that it was all going to work out. Having that around me really helped me push and say, okay, regardless of what it looks like right now, it's going to mm -hmm. get better. It's going to be the best version of a story that I will have for myself. Hey guys, Hannah Donnelly here for another episode of On Her Mark, a podcast where we sit down with female athletes, fitness professionals, and women in sports to learn their stories and their why, all in an effort to find inspiration and celebrate those blazing trails for the next generation. If you guys love hanging out with us here each week, make sure you're downloading these episodes and subscribing so that you can stay in the loop and share it with your friends. It goes a long way in this podcast world. But enough of that. Today, we have a guest that you are going to love. So volleyball is having a moment right now. You may remember that in August of last year, Nebraska and Omaha shattered the all-time attendance record for a Division I women's college volleyball game with more than 92,000 fans. And then this year, 2024, not one but two professional leagues are beginning. So needless to say, the sport is having a moment. And one of the stars has spent the last six years making a name for herself down in Texas. But now, Asia O'Neill is tearing up the court in Columbus, Ohio. She is playing in the inaugural season of the Professional Volleyball Federation. The middle blocker has earned six conference titles, had three Final Four appearances, and earned two national championships while playing for Texas. And Asia holds the record for the most blocks in school history. Her journey there wasn't easy, and after redshirting her freshman year, her cardiologist told her she would have to quit. She had some heart issues that she knew of, but she never thought she would be told she had to quit. Today, Asia talks about how she made that decision and what made her comeback possible. We also talk about this year's team and what made it possible for them to earn the first ever back-to-back -back championship for the school. We also talk about falling in love with the sport in the seventh grade and what it was like to learn that there was a possibility she could pursue a career in it post-college without leaving the States. Not even a month after winning her second national title, Asia was the first overall pick for the PVF, the Professional Volleyball Federation. She was drafted to the Columbus Fury, where she's playing now. This is her rookie professional season, but fortunately her dad, Jermaine O'Neal, is an 18-year vet of the NBA, and he has been able to offer her some advice to help her step into her power on this new stage. Asia has accomplished some remarkable things already in her career, and really, this is just the start. So please welcome Asia O'Neill to the On Her Mark podcast. I want to start, Asia, with talking about this moment that you're in right now. You're coming off of two back-to-back -back national titles with Texas. Then you're the first overall pick for the new uh, Professional Volleyball Federation. So much is going on. How are you doing right now? It's definitely very crazy, and I have to remind myself of how incredible this moment is, especially you finish one season and then you're thrown into another season, so there's a lot happening all at once, but 
it's just such a blessing that I was able to finish out my college career the way I did and then immediately be able to be drafted number one and be a part of this monumental inaugural season and be um, on a great team here in Columbus. So it's been really, really fun. Definitely the last two months has been a whirlwind, but I'm so excited that this is what my life is looking like right now. What I love is that, you know, the league was announced in November of 2022. And after it was announced is when these two titles came. So like all of this has happened so fast for you. When you first found out that it was even a possibility to pursue a professional career in volleyball, and stay in the States. Uh, what was your reaction to that? It was definitely super exciting. Um, I remembered when it was announced in the fall and then that following summer, I was talking to some girls that were also on the national team with me and they were going to play in the league as well. And just hearing about their experiences dealing with the league and just seeing how exciting and how like legit this is going to be, because you know, mm -hmm. you hear things and you're like, I hope this actually pans out, but right. it was on a great track and I knew it was gonna be a legitimate option. But I was just so excited to have an opportunity to play here at home because I think as college athletes and volleyball players, we work so hard to excel and build a brand for ourselves and accomplish all these things. But then going overseas, it's really hard to, one, stay in contact with your fans and for them to be able to see you and your family and friends can't really watch you play. So it's so much nicer to be able to be here in America and have so many people who love to see you play, be able to do that and like still be able to cheer you on and you feel connected with the people that you've grown to know and love throughout your years playing the sport. Absolutely. And you've done such a great job of building this brand. I mean, playing at Texas is a phenomenal accomplishment alone, like making the team at Texas, but then having the career that you had there, what was it like for you? I guess let's bring it back to when you first found volleyball, because it was when you moved to Texas, right? Yes. What was it about the sport? I really liked the team aspect of it. I think in a lot of other sports, one person can kind of take over and it's like all about them and it's their show where volleyball, you really do rely on everyone around you and you can have all the talent on the world uh, on a team. But if you don't have that positive culture and that your team doesn't mesh well, like you're not going to do well. So I <laughs> thought it was really cool just how much you do rely on that bond with one another to excel. And then I just thought it was really fun because it was still a fun and exciting and physical sport, but it was something that was completely new to me. And just, it was a whole new world in general and volleyball is huge in the state of Texas. So I was really just thrown into it immediately once I got um, to Dallas, but it was really cool. And I just really loved it from the start. What other sports do you play growing up? So I played soccer, like every kid plays. I wasn't very good. I was just fine. Uh, but I did a lot more of like acting and dancing and creative arts type things like that. I didn't really stick with one specific sport. I tried like lacrosse, field hockey. Uh, I did tennis for like a second, basketball <laughs> for a second. Like I tried a lot of different things. And I think that was fun that I got to, you know, get my feet wet in a little different, different areas all across the place. Because once I moved to Texas in seventh grade, I think that was a good time to just settle down and focus on one. Whereas my whole childhood, I was able to just kind of do whatever, have fun and figure it out what I liked and what I didn't like. And I feel that seventh grade is when I talk to a lot of people, I played volleyball myself and in seventh grade was kind of that year that people really found the sport. Um, unless you of course lived in like a California or Texas and even Illinois, right. Um, seventh grade was really that year that you like bought in to, to play. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most of my teammates in college and even here, they found the sport like in seventh grade or seventh, eighth grade, <laughs> really started to play. So that's definitely a common theme for sure. Were you always, did you always play middle? 
Yeah, I've only been in middle and that's my one regret that I wish I could have tried something else, which I think I'm where I need to be for sure. Like being in the middle works for me, but I do wish sometimes that when I was younger, I would have been able to just try like maybe hitting on the outside or the right side, but being the tallest on the team forever, I just got thrown into the middle and that's where I stayed. I I don't envy the middles because you guys have to be back and forth and everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a lot, but luckily I played on teams where we have love for our middles and they still set us and we still get to be involved. So it's fun <laughs> if you're involved, but if you're not involved, it kind of sucks. Yeah, when you're just like running, you're like, set me, give me right. something. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm running your plays, give me something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't let me just be the decoy, 100%. Right. <laughs> so in Texas, you're growing up there, you're playing the sport. So was Texas always like, this is where I want to go? It definitely was. I saw them win their national championship in 2012, and that was my first year playing. And immediately, it's like, this is the place I want to go. I remember seeing like Haley Ackerman, Cat Bell, Bailey Webster, all of them, and just really their style of play and their personalities really resonating with me. And so Texas was always a school that I wanted to go to. Um, I ended up choosing between USC and Texas, and I went on my USC visit first, actually. And this is sophomore year of high school. And I was dead set. Oh, I'm going to USC. Like, I'm going to be in LA. It's going to be so much fun. Like, I liked the coach. Everything seemed cool. Mm -hmm. And then one of my Texas visit, maybe like a couple weeks after. And on my visit, I just knew like that was where I needed to be. So it's so crazy how as a 16-year-old, you're just making this decision that, granted, I'm sure I thought about it. Like, what would be best? But you really don't know what you need at 18, 19, 20, whatever. Like, you just kind of are going off a gut feeling. And thankfully... I chose the right place for me. Um, both are incredible programs, obviously, but I'm very glad that I ended up choosing Texas. I mean, great decision, great decision, great success. <laughs> uh, so with your first season that you were at Texas, you pretty quickly um, started to see some health hurdles that you were going to have to tackle. Um, not new, right? Like you, you knew that there were some heart issues, but can you talk a little bit about your first season at Texas and what it was like to then make the decision um, to continue and push forward and do what it took to, to get better. Yeah. So right off the bat, I definitely started to realize that I wasn't able to push my body the same way that my teammates around me were. I knew getting into college, it was going to be harder workouts, um, mentally tough, physically tough, like very demanding. But first day out there, I realized that I, could not do close to anything that my teammates were doing. And it definitely was frustrating because you're coming into a big program and you're a freshman. So you're trying to prove to everybody that you work hard and you have mm -hmm. this tough mindset. And with something like a cardiac problem that people can't really see, it's not like a broken leg or twisted right. ankle. Like it's something that people don't really know how you're feeling and they don't know how to gauge it. It was really hard for me because I never wanted to like single myself out and say, well, I have this issue or this situation. So that's why I can't do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So I definitely try to push myself, but then it would cause just a lot of anxiety and stress about workouts every day, not knowing what I can get through and not wanting to have to speak up, which looking back at it now, it's so funny because it was such a welcoming and helpful environment. Like no one ever made me feel bad about the situation and they all were there for me, supported me, would modify anything. But that first year was really rough because I ended up redshirting that fall. So I wasn't playing. And coming in as a number two recruit in the country, you expect, oh, I'm going to come in, do all these big things, but you look around and everyone around you is a top five, top 10 recruit. So it's not like you're just the same as everybody else, basically. Right. So it was a humbling moment from that standpoint. And then my health, not being able to 
get their practices or workouts and then eventually being told I need to quit. There's just so many things that were happening that first year where it was, I was so happy. I was at my dream school and I was loving the environment I was in, but it was so mentally tough and challenging that I'm very proud that I was able to get through that and decide, end up having that surgery, obviously, but dealing with the day-to-day, it was definitely a lot. And my career definitely didn't start how I expected it to, but comparing that to the way it ended was really cool just to look back and reflect on. How did you get through that time? Where Who did you lean on? What strategies did you lean on to, to push through? Our athletic trainer, Deanne, um, she was really helpful with me through the whole process. She, her and I like gained a really close relationship and she was at all of our workouts, all of our practices, always like right there on the sidelines. And I think with our relationship, I was able to feel comfortable like advocating for myself. And she really set the tone early. Like you are, you know, your body the best. And we know that you try hard and you're working hard, but you need to be the one to tell us how you feel because no one else knows. And we're not going to like hold your hand through it. She really helped me grow up in that aspect and helped me realize that me speaking up for myself isn't being weak or soft or not trying hard. Like I'm doing as much as I physically can. And just because it looks different from the person next to me doesn't mean that it's not my 100%. She helped me a lot. Um, Super grateful for her. And our coaches also, like, they were very helpful. Obviously, the medical side, they don't know as much as, like, your trainer. <laughs> but they were very helpful. And my teammates, they all really stood by my side and pushed me and wanted the best for me. It was honestly just the best possible environment to be in, like, across the board, whether it was strength conditioning or a nutritionist or trainers, teammates. Like, everyone was so helpful with my whole entire journey of my health mm-hmm. journey Um, that obviously the days were hard, but it was nice to have people in my circle that were genuinely supporting me and didn't make me feel bad about my situation or whatever it may be. So that having that with not being near my family, it was such a blessing. And I'm very grateful that I had those people. I think that's such an interesting thing, right? Because in those moments, often athletes are their toughest critic and they're hardest on themselves. But when you're surrounded by an environment and by a culture that is lifting you up. It's hard to, it's hard to stay down. You know, of course, everyone's, you're going to have those moments, uh, but it's easier when, you know, your teammate isn't bringing you down too. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So then the cardiologist told you to quit, right? Like this, if you want to keep playing at this level, it's, it's unlikely. Was that ever an option? Did you consider that? No, not at all. Deanne was actually with me at that appointment. And it was just a normal appointment, didn't expect anything crazy to happen. And he said that and immediately we're just looking at each other across the room, like, what the heck did he just say? There's no (laughs) way. So I knew like, obviously I was emotional and I was sad and I was like crying on my way home, but she was telling me, don't worry, we're going to get a second opinion. Like, I'm sure your parents have plenty of people we can reach out to. Like, you're not just going to quit. We're going to figure this out. It was nice to have people around me reiterating that in my mind because I knew I didn't want to quit. I just got Mm -hmm. here, just finished my red shirt season it was like our last spring workout so officially was done with my red shirt year and I was ready to go and I just knew there's no way I'm quitting whatever I have to do I will do but that was never an option for myself at all thank god thank god you didn't quit because look at you now (laughs) exactly (laughs) and you came back to have a phenomenal career you um have the most blocks of all time right at at Texas I have to ask though what feels better a good block or a clean kill uh, younger age, I would definitely say a kill, but now okay. I would definitely say a block because yeah. I think this really shifts the whole momentum of a game and can take confidence from the other team for sure. So I there's nothing that's more hype than a great block. 
Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Like everyone just feels it. And the defense is very happy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Back to back, never been done before in school history. What was the mindset going into that game, knowing what was on the line for you guys? I think we really just... There was no pressure. There was no stress. After that Tennessee match where our backs were against the wall as close as they could possibly be, and we were staring down a match point, uh, after that, I think we just played so free and had so much fun and trust in one another that we knew that our good was good enough, and that's all we needed to give every night. And I think it clearly showed. Um, the whole season was definitely very up and down, rocky. We lost a lot in the beginning. People really doubted if we were going to come back. People thought we were going to lose the first round. Like there was a lot of outside noise, but I think it was the best thing for us because coming off a win, you expect so many things of yourself and you expect to be perfect and you expect to be the same team as the year prior. And we were not that team at all, which was fine because we didn't need to be that team. Um, but it was just really fun to see how in the postseason we really turned it around. And honestly, from that Tennessee match on, it was lights out. And you could just tell that there was a different feeling in the air, the looks of people's eyes. Like we had so much confidence in one another that it didn't matter that we had to play three number one seeds back to back to back to win it. We were ready to go. And we had faith in the work that we put in all year. You guys looked like you were having fun too. Yeah. Which is really fun to see in a championship game, like the joy out Mm. there. And then when you guys won the watching the relationships. I mean, of course it's a huge accomplishment, the title, all of that, but the, it looks like everyone was so excited for each other, <laughs> not just themselves. Yeah, no, I definitely think that was a big key of our team. Like we all just wanted to see each other grow and excel. And there's obviously individual things that we were working on throughout the year and being able to mm-hmm. see people come out of their shell and figure out new skill sets or get things to start working. It was so fun to see, especially specifically my teammate, uh, Jenna Wenis. Like she had just transferred from Minnesota and she struggled being at Texas because she felt like there's so many eyes on her and there's so many expectations. But I think throughout the tournament, she just had so much fun and was playing like Jenna, how we knew she could play the whole entire Mm -hmm. year, just had zero stress. So just seeing her excel and get feisty and raw, raw was so exciting for me. And just like you said, we had so much joy for one another and it was never a, I want this accolade or this award for myself. It was, I want everyone around me to be the best version of of themselves so that hopefully at the end of this, we can win. It brings it back to why you fell in love with the sport in the beginning, right? That's, that's what brought you to, to success, which is phenomenal. And then getting drafted first overall for the professional volleyball federation. What has it been like transitioning? I mean, you played six years at Texas And then all of a sudden, so you have the same gyms, the same training center, the same coaching staff, all of that to then transition. And now you're somewhere different. What has that been like for you? It's been very interesting. It's I've loved being here, but it's so weird to not be at Texas still. Like (laughs) I'm obviously friends with the girls on the team still and seeing them post about their workouts or their practices. It's so odd to like remind myself I'm done. Like I'm not going back to be a Texas (laughs) athlete, Um, but I think I'm definitely in the best place and where I need to be. Uh, Our whole staff here is incredible at what they do. I really love Angel as a coach. And they always tell you at Texas, like, we have the best of the best here. And that might not be the case when you leave. So always make the most of all of your resources here. But I think PBF and specifically uh, the Columbus Furia has done a great job giving us all that we could possibly need and want um, from a professional volleyball standpoint. 
So it's been really cool to have this adjustment. It's weird having so much agency over myself that I'm basically do whatever you want. Like if I want to show up five minutes before practice, I could, that's not the right thing to do, but like you could do that. So mm -hmm. uh, luckily I've had a school and parents who prepared me well to be on my own, <laughs> things out. but it's been so cool. And it still hasn't really clicked that I'm a professional athlete. I still feel like I'm in college or just like a kid. So it's been really fun and a great, uh, a great transition for sure. So your dad is an 18 year vet of the NBA. So he has the professional experience. Has he, has he given you any advice on how to navigate this landscape and this, like you said, new world? My dad has definitely instilled things, let's see, throughout my career. That's kind of helped me now. Um, just little things about like taking care of your body, making sure you're getting sleep, eating well, showing up every day and just being the best version of yourself. And I think the hardest thing for me is realizing pro sports isn't about it's about building team culture, but it's a different type of team culture because mm. you're only really guaranteed like this one year together technically. So having to quickly adjust to one another, figure out what's the best route for this team and realizing that there's not necessarily a class system. There's not the underclassmen, upperclassmen. Everyone's on the same level here. So me feeling like from the beginning, I can still speak up and like my voice matters and my I, people should hear my voice and being confident in that. I'd say those are some things that he's instilled in me. And I'm definitely a more shy, reserved person. So when I first got here, I was trying to just get my feet wet, mm -hmm. feel the vibe of the team. But he really encouraged me to just continue to be myself and don't let me being on a new in a new space with a new group of people change my personality uh, or aggression on the court. Well, and it's such an, a unique experience in this case, right? Because everyone is brand new to this environment, right? This is the first year. So with that said, have there been conversations about how you guys hope this league continues and, and what kind of like the, the groundwork that it lays for professional volleyball here in the States? Yeah, we really just want it to be a year where especially younger girls and girls in high school and college see that this is a legitimate league and at its high level volleyball and make people want to be a part of it all the matches that have happened so far, like there's been great attendance and people are really excited about it and they want to be a part of it. So it's mm -hmm. super exciting that just what a month or so into the league, uh, people already this invested. So we just really hope that it lays a good foundation and that we can continue to just grow from here and that people realize that you don't have to go overseas to play high level volleyball. Like you can still do that here and still be best prepared and be the best athlete you want to be it's been so cool to see like the record breaking attendance mm -hmm. attendances across the board. And you guys have your first home game coming up. Yes. What are you most looking forward to for that? I'm definitely most looking forward to the fans here. Mm -hmm. uh, I played in Columbus in the 2022 season, but obviously I was the visiting team. So I felt <laughs> their fans, they were rooting against me. So it'll be nice to have their fans root for me this time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Columbus is definitely a sports city, so it's so fun, and everyone is really excited for us to be here. We've done a lot of um, outreach in the community, whether it's at club volleyball tournaments um, or things like that, but people are just so excited. Like, the city is just itching and been waiting for this to happen, so I'm sure we'll have a great turnout, and I just hope our fans have fun. So you mentioned earlier talking about little girls and kind of paving this way and showing them that this is a sustainable, a sustainable league and something that they can aspire to. How does it feel when you have those young girls come up to you and say, Asia, I want to be like you, or I followed you at Texas and 
now you're here. Does that sink in that like what you, what you have already done for the sport? It still is so crazy to me to hear that and experience it because I myself still feel like I'm 18 years old, just <laughs> a kid, just running on campus, trying to figure out life. So it's so awesome that younger girls look to me and aspire to be like me or have the same personality I do on the court. And especially for younger women of color, like in a space that wasn't always as diverse, it's really cool to be able to be one of those um, inspirations for young girls that look like me and realize that they can still play a sport that necessarily before didn't look like them. So it's really cool to just have that impact on the younger generation and really just let little girls know they can be themselves authentically, whatever that may look like, and not feel like they have to fit into a certain box to excel and be the best that they want to be in volleyball this league didn't exist when, when you were little. So did little Asia have a different plan of what the future would look like, or was volleyball always, were you going to find a way to pursue it after college in some capacity? I feel like I didn't think too much about pro volleyball until college. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really sure what the options were. I knew you, people went overseas, but I didn't personally know anybody who had done it yet. So mm -hmm. I just, it was always like in the distant, uh, thoughts in my brain like oh I think that's what you do and then once I got to college I think we all just came to the conclusion well if we want to play we have to go overseas and hopefully it'll be a good experience like it's there's mm -hmm. such an unknown that you don't really know but uh little Asia definitely wanted to keep playing volleyball she definitely had a lot of goals for herself and hopefully little Asia's happy with how grown-up Asia is doing <laughs> I'm sure she would be. I'm sure she is. When you were growing up and you realized that this was a reality, um, were, was it scary to say that out loud? Or did you and you, did you with your family and friends just be like, we're going after this and we're doing it? I think because I'm such a competitor, uh, it wasn't really that scary to me. I <laughs> obviously, when you set lofty goals for yourself, you are putting attention and pressure on yourself and the people around you know that these are your goals. So I guess in hindsight, if you don't accomplish that, it can be scary, but I was very confident that everything would work out. I like to do closer goals. So things that are like sooner to obtain. So whether, mm -hmm. okay, I want to go somewhere for college and then sophomore year of high school, I committed and I was like, okay, great, cool. When I get to college, I want to do X, Y, and Z and have a great career and all these things. And obviously the beginning of my college career wasn't exactly what I wanted it to look like. And at times I did have doubts and wasn't sure how I was going to play out, but my family um, really kept me motivated and I also have a really strong faith. And I think that helped me as well, just to know that it's all going to work out in the end. I didn't know mm -hmm. what exactly it's going to look like, but I knew that it was all going to work out. Having that around me really helped me push and say, okay, regardless of what it looks like right now, it's going to mm -hmm. get better. It's going to be the best version of a story that I will have for myself. So goal setting, are what does that process look like for you? Are you like a vision board person? Do you write down your goals and your steps to getting there? Do you just speak it? Do you have post-it notes? Like what's that process look like for you? So initially I was just more keep it in my head and like maybe talk to people about it, but keep it kind of more to myself throughout college. That was kind of my goal. Uh, and then this past season, my friend actually, uh, he convinced me to like write everything on a post-it note and like put it on my like desktop computer. So every day I could see it and if I accomplished something, like check it off. And so at the end of the season, I realized I checked off everything besides like two and there was probably 10 things on there. And then I added some extra things. So it was really fun. And I liked that I wrote it out to be able to like give myself a visual and see what my expectations and goals were and being able to accomplish them. So 
this year I need to do the same thing. I'm behind, but I need to write it on a post-it note and put it somewhere so I can look back at the end of the season. Some people say that the February is really like the new January. January is kind of like that throwaway month. Like we're treating February as the start of 2024. (laughs) Yes, I like that. This is awesome. So I'm going to close up here with a question I ask every athlete. And that is, do you have a mantra that you lean on? Something that when days are tough, whether it's on the court, um, in life, that helps push you forward? Good question. Um, The mantra that's really resonated with me probably the last year or so is walk into every room like God put you there because he did. Uh, It really helped me last summer with the national team because it was definitely a huge stage and something that was completely new to me. But I think having that mantra allowed me to just relax and have faith and trust that it's all going to work out. And no moment is too big for you. And if you couldn't handle the moment, you wouldn't be there. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's really helped me stay grounded. And for someone who can get a little anxious, have some anxiety, it's kept me pretty calm and stress-free throughout those big moments. So that's definitely my mantra of the year. I love that. Walk into every room like God put you there. Final, final question for you, Asia, is advice to young girls in volleyball or in sport in general who want to do what you're doing? What would you tell them? I would tell them to really just trust your process. I know that's so easy to say, but no one's journey is linear. You're going to have your highs and your lows and you shouldn't compare yourself to other people because like you, their process is not linear. You don't see what someone goes through every single day. You only see the highs and the high points. So just know that whatever your process looks like is the best process for you. And it's all going to work out and be the best that it can be, but don't get too down on the lows because in order to really enjoy your highs, you're going to have to go through those lows at some point. What a world it would be if everyone showed the highs and the lows, right? <laughs> like To normalize that process, right? Yeah, no, definitely would be a very uh, humbling to see everyone's lows, but yeah. Unfortunately, it's not the not the world we live in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let everyone know where they can follow you on social so that they can stay up to date on all that um, you're doing with the Fury and with the league and the national team and all that good stuff. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram and X at Asia O'Neill. And then my TikTok is Asia A O'Neill. Are you are you a big player on TikTok? I am. I love TikTok. I'm on TikTok the most out of every social media, probably. Are you? What's like, what's coming on your feed? Uh, I get a lot of, I get a lot of like, get ready with me, but then also like shopping hauls. And then I get volleyball stuff. And then now like Columbus, Ohio content. I get a lot of random <laughs> things. Like it, it really changes based on the week, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you put, are you putting out a lot on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok, yeah. so I don't know. You are. I, I, not a lot, a lot, but I post a good amount of things. I have fun on TikTok. It's not super serious. I do some like business related things on there, but also it's just fun videos with my team. Like yesterday I did one with my team about like, where was Esther at seven o'clock? Like that trend since he did the Super Bowl. but how many people got it right? Uh, two. Yeah. It was bad. And it was the youngest people on our team that got it right. It wasn't even the oldest people. So that's mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little All right, you got to keep doing those. Keep doing those. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> awesome. Well, Asia, thank you so much. And um, good luck at your the home opener. Thank you so much for having me. What a couple of years she has had, you guys. And yet she's so humble. It's so cool to see someone with that much success continue to grow and to con- continue to genuinely love what they're doing. 
I loved chatting with Asia today and cannot wait to see her thrive in this new professional league. The Columbus Fury have their first home game tomorrow night, Wednesday, February 21st at Nationwide Arena. If you're in the Columbus area, get your tickets now and head over there tomorrow night. Make sure you also check out Asia on social, Asia O'Neill, or as she said on TikTok, Asia A. O'Neill. And remember, you can stay locked in on all things on her mark on social by following MBCS Boston. And I'm over at underscore Hannah.Donnelly. And like I mentioned off the top of the episode, if you're loving these conversations, make sure that you're downloading every episode, rate it, review it, share it with a friend, post it on social media. That helps us so much and will help us to continue bringing you conversations like these. All right, that does it for me today. I'll catch you guys next time.